Welcome to Watershed's April podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed and I'm joined by Phil Johnson, who's senior programme producer at St George's Music Venue in Bristol. And together, Phil and I co-curate Filmic, which is our annual strand which explores the creative connections across film and music. So, welcome Phil. We're going to talk about folk noir, which is one of the strands that we are um, presenting. Um, and I, the, the word, the term folk noir trips off my tongue now. <laughs> but um, can you say where, 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 where did this term come from? And what does it describe? Well, you Mark, you've got me bang to rights, because I think, really, hand on heart, we probably made it up. But it's the irresistible combination of two words, really, that yeah. seem to come together and create in one's mind, if not in reality, this, uh, th this very rich field for exploration. And that uh, folk noir does exist, or does pre-exist our, uh, our season, in that there's a German band called Folk Noir, in that people on the internet have posted uh, playlists of their favourite tracks that they think fit this sub-genre. But um, I think for us, what it does is that it gives a handy kind of catch-all for a tendency that is definitely identifiable in both folk and music of kind of recent years. Uh, and it's a kind of right up-to-date idea. There's been a new popularity of folk music that everyone's aware of over the last 10 years or so. And a strain within that both in Europe, or the UK particularly, and in America, is a kind of dark, foreboding, sometimes rather miserable ev evocation of uh, both kind of the narrative of songs, murder ballads, for example, that calls upon traditional folk music, where of course there's been, a, a, you know, almost every traditional folk song has got a death in it mm -hmm. somewhere, and there's been hauntings and strange apparitions. So a number of contemporary singer-songwriters, like Alistair Roberts, a, a, a Scot from Glasgow, who's part of this band, The Fur Collective, that are coming uh, to Bristol as part of our season, that he's specialised particularly, although he writes his own songs, he's, he's kind of specialised in recovering old narrative ballads from the, you can say, you know, when are they from the 18th, 19th century. They're all kind of collected at the turn of the 19th to 20th century, I suppose. And he's specialised in, in, in choosing the, the, the darkest and, and, and most dread-filled of these old ballads. And that's what his set largely is composed of. Uh, there's also a tendency in cinema that we can trace back maybe to Blair Witch, which was a huge popular success at the time to the horror genre and perhaps overlapping into the crime film like Kill List, the Ben Wheatley film, where you've got sometimes a, a, a concern with, uh, with, with the occult or with symbols that seem to relate to uh, some secret hidden past that's rediscovered in terms of the, of the film. And this is right up to date now with, uh, with Mud and uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild, for example. And, uh, of course, we can mention The Wicker Man from the, the 70s, which is everyone's favourite kind mm. of occult uh, UK horror film. So the two things, I think, are tendencies, as so often in, 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 in genre, they're, they're kind of there in the air, mm. really. That genre is a, is a category, as you're aware, isn't dependent on, on particular authors, in a way. It's something that's, that, that's there within kind of ideology 
and it's and it's picked out by particular artists. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, of course, film noir itself yeah. was a tendency, as you say, that the French critics in the sixties, the French film critics in the sixties. Who had been seeing, um, well, actually came earlier than that. It came earlier than that. It came earlier than that when a whole load of um, previously unseen American films was suddenly made available post war. And they saw all these, um, you know, films by, you know, directors like Edward Dimitri, Jacques Tournier, um, you know, Orson Welles. Um, and and they they saw that there was a stylistic yeah. that um, they call film they call film noir and you can see it be still but but the, they also tapped into a sort of darker mood mm. that the, mm. you could then read uh, have a reading of American society um, and the way the culture which said you know they are dealing with dark uh, you know demons with dark um, a darker side which is kind of within the the makeup of the the main characters um, and so you can see that. Um, it was very. It was quite fluid as well because, of course, you, you know, famously you get a film like um, The Long Goodbye, which is a kind of neo film, neo film yeah. which is, or or indeed Double Indemnity. Um, it, it, you know, going back to the sort of source material, Double Indemnity, where there's no real sort of darkness. It's in the glaring light of Los mm. Angeles, but but it's sort of it's the way it's filmed, it's the shadows, um, the way it's cast across. It was very from German expressionist, I guess, but um, but. There was something different that they picked up on. And so when I heard the term folk noir, um, when you first used it, I, it felt very natural to mm. bring these mm. things together. Which, Because when you think about folk music, as you say, it's, it can be easy to think about folk music either as, in the, in the British or indeed American, as, as like a kind of politically motivated um, sort of Woody Guthrie mm. type folk mm. music. But when you go back to like f- um, folk tales, folk stories and that, Tradition of handing on, they are in. They, they've got a darkness mm, no, at, 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 at the core, and you you link that with, as you say, with the the, the sort of um, film side. You can see, you know, folk noir having resonance as a, and I'm sure there's a book in it somewhere. <laughs> there is a resonance that, that 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 picks up on certain themes, tendencies in both film and music. Yeah, and I think the 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 new interest or the interest over the last decade in folk music is one that hasn't tended so much towards the uh, the social improvement kind of let us celebrate you, you know the achievements of workers and all the rest of it the kind of the Woody, the Woody Guthrie tradition if you mm. like although Billy Bragg of course and Bruce Springsteen have, have, have upheld that but for more kind of indie artists and I think that's the the area that we're, that we're looking at uh, Nick Cave, for example, you wouldn't think of him as a folk singer, but he, in his recent work with the Bad Seeds, has of course specialised in murder ballads and mm. dark songs that really are folk noir writ mm. large. And some of the uh, American artists like Mark Lanigan, for example, uh, who would have been associated with kind of indie rock music, if you like. He's a kind of Seattle singer-songwriter who was in bands comparable to, to, to Nirvana, mm-hmm. that they've kind of mined this scene. And then you can, you know, once you've identified this, this category, this, you know, yeah. however you want to, to describe it, is it a subgenre or a tendency or, or whatever, once you've defined that, you can then go back through popular music history and you can look at an artist like Johnny Cash, for example, the man in black. I mean, mm-hmm. if he isn't country noir, 
who is, mm. in that uh, you look at Folsom uh, Prison Blues, the famous lyric about shooting a man and all the rest mm. of it, uh, th there's that kind of outlaw persona that Johnny Cash mm. incarnated as well. That begin, you know, If you wanted to, you could then make links to uh, a film star like Robert Mitchum and a film like mm. The Night of the Hunter, for example, which is looking at uh, what's often called Southern Gothic. That's another category that we might relate mm. to. That Southern Gothic was a term used for a number of different writers in America in the 1940s and 50s, like Eudora Welty. Some people even would put Tennessee Williams in there. Mm. And it was a kind of geographical location for a particular, uh, some would say, hysterical kind of emotional state mm. where uh, decaying old mansions, Spanish moss on the trees, uh, the terrible guilt of, of, of slavery in the background and so on, begin to make up a, a, a whole uh, landscape and cosmology, mm. if you like, that we, we can now typify as Southern Gothic. So I think film noir had its own cosmology mm. and, uh, and particular landscape. And it, we can see folk noir, although mm. we've just in, invented it, is kind of operating, operating as a kind of bridge between those two different worlds and it seems to be something that can uh, operate within music or uh, within cinema and the films mm. that you've chosen to to screen as part of this season like Badlands for example never thought of that as a folk noir film particularly but then you begin to look at it well, well, and you think wow you know that yeah. it, it takes place in, in de daylight settings yeah. but it certainly has this kind of reverence for nature it's got a kind of mm. uh, uh, fairy tale storybook mm. quality. Well, well, I for me, um, you know, thinking about um, Badlands and you know, rewatching Badlands actually was, I, I, I rewatched it um, a couple of years back in a new print at a festival, um, and it was the first time I'd really seen it on the the, the big screen. And it's such a brilliant piece of filmmaking, such a powerful piece of filmmaking. But then, you know, when we were having discussions and what was shared about what this thing folk noir was. Um, it came back to me, and when it came back to me, I realised that Badlands, if you know, is is a kind of linchpin, as it were, mm. of this um, mm. folk noir because it is the you know it's definitely not film noir, it's definitely not this or that, but it it encapsulates the um, the kind of uh, nursery rhyme of the 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 boy and the girl that go out into the grown up land, and then it all goes horribly wrong. They're kind of like the holy innocents, and in a way, it it, it links back to Night of the Hunter. And the two kids that are going out into this um, strange world, and here is this strange world that um, Sheen and, and Martin Sheen and um, Sissy Spacek go out into, and so it's got that sort of folksy um, folk tale type quality to it. But then, of course, you get the darkness because they are killers, and he's you know he shoots down in cold blood. But there's a sort of it, it plays with the innocence. Mm, definitely, but and, it's not and, a self-improving kind of view. No, nature and, and, or landscape. And or the music society. in it is that Carl Orff mm, piece that's mm. used, which is like nursery rhyme type music. So, you know, Terence Malick's clearly you know working with that as a sort of theme that mm. that's that's going through it about these children that are um, that have got it's, everything's gone wrong. Um, and so it felt to me that it was, it, it was if you wanted folk noir, then here in Badlands was the sort of um, epitome of, of it, as it were, which you could imagine Nick Cave singing a murder ballad about Sissy Spacek and Martin Sheen on the run in that period. And you could bring the proposition in here, which is the John Hillcote film with the score by Nick Cave. 
which is a kind of Western set in Australia. Well, of course, Nick Cave wrote, wrote the script yeah, as well. He wrote the script as well. Yeah. In that, but uh, yeah, Nick Cave would be the person that you would kind of commission to to, to write the theme tune, if you like, mm -hmm. of this uh, of this kind of uh, conjunction of uh, of music and film, and uh, and of course that takes us back to um, you know the foundations of American society. If we looked at Badlands. And the myth of the Garden of Eden, which is an enormously uh, powerful and influential myth that you can trace mm. throughout American literature from its very first mm. kind of colonist poetry onwards. And of course, Australia is yet another colony. It shares that same Garden of Eden kind of despoiled mm. um, paradise. And mm. I, I think that uh, the proposition gives you that in the scenes of the, the, the native mm. uh, Aborigines, the the paintings on the on on uh, walls, the kind of equivalent to uh, to our own sort of uh, Neolithic runic markings that, that that we get. So that that's very very clear there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So um, in noir, whether you know film noir or folk noir, I, th I think yeah, despoiled innocence has always been a yeah. powerful theme, really. Yeah, in in with um, you know one of the other uh, films is Jeff Nichols' Mud which um from a couple of years back and you know that's a sort of revisiting of huckleberry finn mm. uh, tom mm. sawyer um you know the mark twain and again that's kind of got that um the child's eye view that that's then um coming into contact with the grown-up world and how that transforms and, and and changes and this is two kids playing about in the mississippi delta who come across a an escaped um killer matthew mm. mcconaughey and the relationship that develops between them and that's also got the secret world hasn't it the almost uh, literal secret world of mm. the island or whatever in the mm. uh, in the mississippi and the terrible dread-filled foreboding of the revenge character who's who's, who's after mud himself in mm. uh, I think the games that artists like Nick Cave and the handsome family the games that they play with these traditional genre are perhaps designed to uh, to unsettle the audience mm. and to uh, shake them out of their their sense of security in a way and present them with with something that's odd something that's that, I think that they're the, making strange which is a, a very yeah. Kind of common feature of contemporary yeah. art. Um, so, so we're um, we're showing here Badlands, Proposition, Mud, and finally you've mentioned that um, the Wicker Man, yeah. which is the British um, folk noir. Now there are differences in this early stage. We've identified differences in folk noir with American and and, and British because you know if you take the Wicker Man being the sort of uh, archetypal folk noir for um, the, the British filmmaking, then you can see that that's about that sort of pagan, um, ritualistic, otherworldliness that um, the Wicker Man is. But it incorporates folk music um, throughout throughout the film. Mm, I mean, there's in a famously very way. yeah, there's famously scenes, and there's a seductiveness of the, the like the siren calling um, that famously. The, the, the captain, the, the policeman that goes over to investigate these murders gets sucked into and, and all his, um, you know, all his terms of reference. His moral his, sense. His moral sense true, gets yeah. completely... And it's the music, the, the, the siren mm. singing and, and then seduced into this sort of pagan... Yeah, um, let me tell you a little story. Because I saw The Wicker Man on its first release at the Regal Cinema in Whitley Bay and whenever it came out in a double bill, lower half of a double bill with Don't Look Now. 
uh, Nicholas Rogue's Don't Love Now. That, that was the first release of The Wicker Man. Mm. And uh, it was a very strange conjunction. Yeah, this is really <laughs> quite odd. Quite odd. Be, yeah. And I think before we went into the cinema, it's so long ago I can't actually remember, but I think Don't Look Now was kind of a known quantity. It had made, you know, mm. it got reviewed, it had made quite a lot of waves on its release. This would probably be a couple of weeks after its London release. The Wicker Man, I think, was kind of unknown and you just didn't really know. And it was just very odd. <laughs> and I can still remember it very, very powerfully. And uh, Britt Eklund hammering on the, the door, for example, and then Christopher Lee and then the, the, the burning at the end. So uh, it's a classic um, Stranger Comes Into Town story, like a Clint Eastwood Western in a way, that Edward Woodward is the stranger who comes into town to investigate, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, the missing child or whatever. And then he is thrown off compass by a series of events. And then it just creeps up on you that what you're being presented with is a complete alternative society, really. Mm -hmm. that This island has... Uh, uh, you know, metaphorically, kind of cut itself off from the from the mainland completely, and it, and it is the uh, uh, what's the, the, the it is retained. Uh, there used to be all these scholarly articles about African retentions in the blues, and this is the the retention of a kind of uh, natural religion mm. uh, that we would call occult or or, 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 or whatever or. Uh, it's a, pre, it's, a pre, it's a pre-Christian. Pre-Christian, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is flourishing on, the, on this island. Mm. And the, 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 the tight-ass Presbyterian kind of Edward Woodward figure is completely mm. thrown. Well, unlike Clint Eastwood, he's, he's not going to sort it out. <laughs> in this. Because it's like yeah. he's in, it, it, this is more complicated than he mm. could ever imagine. Mm. And of course, striking parallels with, with the, the Ben Wheatley um, kill list mm. in the sense mm. that you know you think it's this particular sort of straightforward genre and then just veers away completely into you know this alternative society alternative rituals so uh, in the best uh, way really we're just kind of concretizing our thoughts by by giving voice mm. to them aren't we we're mm. beginning to kind of work mm. out perhaps what folk noir might be in that there certainly seems to be an element that's a common feature of, of the things that both you and I have said here of, uh, uh, of, of making strange, of unsettling, of uh, kind of taking something that might seem comforting and familiar mm. like folk music or country music or whatever and then spinning it through mm. 360 degrees and, 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 mm. and it's coming out as something as something quite different. Well I think um it, it's for me what's been interesting about it is is going back through stuff that I have watched or listened to and rethinking about it with through this prism of folk noir. So again, you know, I I listened to, uh, you know, if you listen to early blues guys like Mississippi mm. John Hurt mm. and you know singing about CC Ryder mm. and you know singing about Tupelo and singing about these places and of course they're part of that storytelling tradition that's handing on songs that's that are singing about experience or recent. Um, experiences which were often, you know, about the harshness of the conditions, uh, you know, murders that happened, um, you know, CC Rider, uh, as I say, um, and and you know that tradition going through to somebody like Nick Cave, who you know picks up on those uh, certainly sort of you know southern type qualities or or um, the murder ballads, um, and and so you can see lineages that that begin to formulate into ways in which you can, as you say, think about um, contemporary music and contemporary film um, uh, in, in interesting ways. So I think um, 
in addition to the book coming out at some point, maybe in a couple of years, um, we, we, it would be interesting to know if um, people listening to this podcast um, have any thoughts and, um, you know, have seen some of the films or some of the um, musicians that we've been talking about and to get involved in the debate. Do you want to say anything about the music that's coming up? Um, do you want... uh, well, there's two things left. We've had the Hanson family. There's yeah. the Borough Collective on Saturday, the 4th of... April. I, I've mentioned that's Alistair Roberts and three other singer-songwriters from both sides of the um, Scottish and English border. And, uh, and like I've said, they, they, they've made an album that is a kind of recovery of old uh, traditional folk tunes who've been chosen because they're, they're kind of dark and foreboding, really. Mm -hmm. And then we've got on Wednesday the 8th of April a really interesting double bill, which is uh, a solo performance by Hal Gelb. And Hal Gelb is a kind of legendary figure in what used to be called alt-country, alternative country, now called Americana, uh, or kind of indie rock, he's very difficult to categorise, who's been going with a band called Giant Sand, now I think called Giant Giant Sand, for like 30 years. Uh, he's based in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, he's going to do, yeah, as I say, this uh, sort of 70 minute solo performance in the first half, and then in the second half at St George's, we're going to show a film, a film called Out of the Desert, the Giant Giant Sand film. Uh, which is going to be the first it's like a sneak preview. The director didn't want it to be called the, the premiere because he's trying to get it into lots of festivals, but a sneak, pre a sneak preview of a film by a Belgian director, Peter Trieste, uh, uh, about uh, How Gelb and Giant Giant Sand. I think it's partly a concert film. So there'll be music in the first half, music in the, in the second. And How Gelb, if anyone uh, you know, hasn't heard of him, he's really worth investigating. He is, again, uh, someone who who likes to kind of make strange. He, he deals with, uh, you know, it's, it's one guy in a guitar and he deals with the landscape of um, the Southwest in the United States and with historical kind of archetypes and so on. You know, you can imagine tumbleweed blowing across the desert. But again, he does so like the Hans family in a very knowing postmodern way. Great. And the brunch screenings will be happening throughout April on every Sunday. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you.